Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 231 is entitled, What is Real? Part 2, Laplace's Demon. The purpose of Podcast 231 is to distinguish between science and religion because of scope. In this podcast, I shall discuss the attributes of science. In Podcast 232, Part 3, I shall contrast it with the attributes of Christianity. I have decided to do it via a parable, a rather strange parable. If you haven't listened to Podcast 230, What is Real Part 1, Introduction, let me encourage you to do so before listening to Podcast 231. Podcast 230 provides the context for Part 2. In Podcast 230, I mentioned that the following allegory had a rather peculiar origin. Therefore, before presenting the allegory, I shall tell you the events that inspired it. On a beautiful afternoon, Linda and I were riding our side-by-side on the multitudinous dirt roads of the heavy-foliaged mountains of East Tennessee, where we spend a lot of our time lost. Cautiously, we stick to roads, not trails, though some of the rocky, rain-gutted roads are not passable with a regular vehicle. We carry neither map nor GPS. We simply follow where the roads take us exploring any new detour. We especially like sparsely traveled, narrow dirt roads winding up steep mountains. Even when lost, we don't turn around. We keep driving until we see something we recognize. It is not too daring. All the roads eventually lead back to the same place. One time, though, we hit the jackpot. I don't remember the name of the mountain, and I don't remember the name of the road, but it was perfect for an ATV. It was infrequently traveled, one way up and one way back. It was a very narrow dirt road, rocky, rugged, and steep, that led up a very tall mountain. The mountain was cone-shaped, and on its little round top was a fenced-in, unmanned satellite station monitoring airline traffic. It was on the north side of Interstate 40, and had a magnificent, unfettered view of the Smoky Mountains. Ever the rider, as I stood on top of the mountain with the monitoring station behind me, a strange thought came to my mind. I created an imaginary station of my own in which I had every technological advancement at my disposal. In my imagination, I was a genius mathematician, a number cruncher, a guru, if you will, sitting on top of a mountain with instant access to all the information in the world. I asked myself the question, what would happen if I could predict the future? Say an accident on Highway 40 during a snowstorm. Back to the details of that later. Perhaps a year after that experience, Linda and I were again riding our side-by-side, only this time with some friends. They were more experienced riders and far more daring and faster, much faster. But I led the entourage because I knew how to cross Interstate 40 on the back roads to go to Cataloochee, North Carolina. On the way, we drove by the cone-shaped mountain. Confused, I took a wrong turn, and we dead-ended at someone's house on top of another mountain. We retraced our path, I saw my mistake, and we drove over another very steep, very winding dirt road that led up the mountain on the Tennessee side. 
and down the mountain to the North Carolina side. We went under Interstate 40 and came out at Waterville. We crossed the Pigeon River on a one-way wooden bridge and continued on a dirt road on another steep mountain that led to Catalucci, where my own ancestors settled in the early days of America. Our daring friends took the lead, partly because Linda and I were too slow, and partly because they knew the mountains on that side of Interstate 40 much better than we did. Whereas we crossed rivers only on bridges, they crossed rivers only on rocks. On the way back from Catalucci, they diverted up a mountain road, which Linda and I had never been on. It was well-groomed, but steeper than all the other roads and seemed beautifully endless. It continued and continued and continued, up and up and up, until for no apparent reason we stopped. The road was narrow and steep, and there was no place to park, but we did the best we could, hanging on to the side of the mountain. We disembarked, and they led us down a trail, invisible until you are on top of it. It was a narrow, very steep walking path that led us to a rocky ledge. The ledge appeared abruptly. I caught my breath because it was a sudden drop-off. We were equal with the eagles. Quarreling hawks were squabbling dead level with their eyes. The vertical cliff dropped thousands of feet straight down. I don't like ladders, and I don't like looking over vertical cliffs thousands of feet straight down. I have a touch of vertigo and a very common sense feeling that falling that far would not be good for my health. My stomach, as always in such circumstances, was wheezy. Linda, daredevil that she is, walked gingerly to the edge of the ledge and looked over, admiring the view. I lectured her as I stayed safely behind, clinging tightly to a sapling and peeking over. Thousands of feet below was Interstate 40, clearly visible with its endless trucks and cars and RVs entering a tunnel. We were on the south side of 40. I could see the cone-shaped mountain on the other side. The two peaks gave me my setting. Only two things were missing. The first came to my mind strangely. I write these podcasts at four in the morning when my mind is clear and everything is dead quiet. But after I had finished the introduction of this podcast, my mind drew a complete blank. I seldom have writer's block. In fact, Linda thinks I don't know when to quit. I immediately stopped and moved away from my computer closed the door to my den, and went back to bed. Several hours later, as I wakened out of a deep sleep, the French mathematician and philosopher Pierre-Simon Laplace popped into my mind. His little demon, like a gargoyle, perched on my bedpost. I remembered two things about Laplace. One was his supposed conversation with Napoleon Bonaparte, and the other was Laplace's demon. I immediately knew that Laplace's demon would be the guru who would sit on top of the cone-shaped mountain. He would represent the ultimate scientist, the ultimate atheist, the quintessential logician who believed in a godless universe governed entirely by determinism. In my red pajamas, I hopped out of bed and quickly returned to my computer and searched the internet for information on Pierre-Simon Laplace. The internet is wonderful and Wikipedia very accommodating. The story of Laplace's interview with Napoleon Bonaparte has several versions, so historians argue over it. Naturally, the most famous version is probably apocryphal. The account was given by Rousset Ball. Laplace went in state to Napoleon to present a copy of his work, and the following account of the interview is well authenticated and so characteristic of all the parties concerned that I quote it in full. Someone had told Napoleon that the book contained no mention of the name of God. Napoleon, who was fond of putting embarrassing questions, received it with the remark, M. Laplace, 
They tell me you have written this large book on the system of the universe and have never mentioned its creator. Laplace, who, though the most supple of politicians, was as stiff as a martyr on every point of his philosophy, drew himself up and answered bluntly, I have no need of that hypothesis. In his writings, Laplace claimed to be a deist. Some claimed he was an agnostic, others claimed that he was an atheist. What is more relevant to my allegory is the strange intellect he created, which is famously known as Laplace's demon. He made the following prediction. Besides the above exchange with Napoleon, this is what I remembered him for. Pierre Simon Laplace, A Philosophical Essay on Probabilities We may regard the present state of the universe as the effect of its past and the cause of its future. An intellect, which at a certain moment would know all forces that set nature in motion and all positions of all items of which nature is composed, if this intellect were also vast enough to submit these data to analysis, it would embrace in a single formula the movements of the greatest bodies of the universe and those of the tiniest atom. For such an intellect, nothing would be uncertain, and the future, just like the past, would be present before its eyes. In A Brief History of Time, one of my favorite science books, Stephen Hawking said, Laplace suggested that there should be a set of scientific laws that would allow us to predict everything that would happen in the universe. Rather than myself, I now had the guru, Laplace's demon, representing pure science, sitting on top of Cone Mountain, all the world coming to him for wisdom. Only one thing was left. Who would I have to represent Christianity, sitting on the ledge overlooking the south side of Interstate 40? It was obvious. I needed a holy prophet. The prophet couldn't be one of the famous prophets of the Old Testament. He was a fictional character and had to have a name. I drew upon one of the characters from one of my favorite epics, John Milton's Paradise Lost. I chose the angel Ariel one of the guardians of the Garden of Eden, for the counterpart of Laplace's demon. I would put him on the ledge of the mountain south of Laplace's demon. Everything was now in place. On Cone Mountain, on the north side of Interstate 40, sits Laplace's demon. On Lover's Leap, overlooking the south side of Interstate 40, sits Ariel. Both see the same thing before it happens. One by artificial intelligence, the other by inspiration of God. In these podcasts, Laplace's demon, of course, represents the point of view of science. Ariel represents the point of view of Christianity. The time is in the far distant future, so science has surpassed all barriers. I'm asking you to employ Wordsworth's willing suspension of disbelief and accept the above as fact. Laplace's demon will look only at the temporal laws. The angel Ariel will look only at the spiritual laws. Laplace's demon believes the universe is created by accident. Ariel believes the universe is created by intelligent design. The year is 2100, 80 years from now. There is a one-world government ruled entirely by science. There is no monetary system. It is a communist state. They rely entirely upon genetic determinism. There are no prisons or courts or punishments. There is only re-engineering. Everyone is assigned a job by the state according to their genetic code. At birth, everyone is given a copy of their genetic code, which contains two lists. One, behaviors they may engage in. Two, behaviors they may not engage in. The book is updated annually. 
The state has no laws but one, total obedience to one's genetic code. Freedom exists only in the genes. The state, however, does impose certain boundaries. Any variation from those boundaries are corrected while the medical tissue is still in the womb. On the only flag allowed to fly are the words, Freedom is diversity. The guardian of freedom is uniformity. The universe freely giveth, the state freely taketh away. Blessed be the name of the state. Everyone is considered free. Their freedom is guaranteed by the genetic reengineering board, which replaced the ancient system of laws, prisons, courts, judges, lawyers, juries, and so forth. Anyone who violates their genetic code, which is monitored 24-7, is either reengineered or decoded. Reengineered means to be genetically altered and given a new book of personal ethics. Decoded means they return to the original state of the matter of universe and wait for a fortuitous resurrection. Because of ancient religious overtones, the word death is forbidden and the word resurrection is forbidden. Synonyms for re-engineered are genetically upgraded, genetically healed, or genetically perfected. Synonyms for decoded are reassigned, realigned, or redistributed. It means they no longer belong to the subset humans. In other words, they are reassigned to become part of the unorganized matter of the universe. It is science's belief that through fluctuations, all matter in the universe is recycled and will at some unknown date in the future realign itself into a human being. Named after the famous atheist, philosopher, scientist Bertrand Russell, who is next to Charles Darwin in importance, they are Russellized rather than resurrected. In other words, they reappear again in human form through an accidental collocation of atoms. Religion is effectively dead. Before birth, they remove any gene that may promote religious feelings, as well as any other genetic markers that may prove detrimental to the state. There are a few Christians left in the United States and parts of Europe. Their doctrines have been attenuated to meet state requirements. They are allowed a politically correct version of the Holy Bible, which removes any reference to God. Christians are considered a nuisance, but they are allowed as guinea pigs. The government has been unable to identify the specific Christian gene. Once they do that, They reason Christianity will no longer be a threat as the gene will be removed in the womb. Of course, they no longer use the word womb or uterus. They prefer a reproductive cavity or a hormone-responsive organ or a cavity where evolutionary generation occurs. In fact, all people with devious behavior are given three choices. They may be used as guinea pigs. They may be genetically altered. They may become Russellized. Abortion is required on medical tissue in the reproductive cavity that does not have the proper genetic code. Atheism is the state religion. The word freedom is used for it is tied to temporal law. Everyone is declared free because determinism is freedom and freedom is determinism. However, words such as free will, agency, or liberty are considered blasphemy against scientific orthodoxy and are forbidden for their ancient religious ties. Besides, determinism is the only allowed doctrine based on the following ten scientific beliefs. Number one, there is no intelligent design and no intelligent designer. Number two, life was created by accident. Number three, man is nothing but an accidental collocation of atoms. Number four, we live in an accidental universe. Number five, there is no life prior to earth. Number six, there is no life after death. Number seven, only the physical body has life. In other words, there is no soul. 
Number eight, man is ruled by genetic determinism. Number nine, Charles Darwin is the only God, and evolution is the only orthodox doctrine. Number ten, science is God, and God is science. In the next podcast, I shall examine Christianity from Ariel's point of view, which stands opposite to science on the issue of free will. To science, Laplace's demon is the only God, and Christ is the only anti-God or antichrist because it means intelligent design. Please tune in tomorrow as we continue the series, What is Real? Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.